This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. I'm Michael Duojek with the Varsity North Shore founding members, Joe Coughlin and Martin Carlino. Just a quick reminder before we get things started and a lot of news on this latest episode that uh, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check out the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you just look us up and we'll be there. You can also find all of our other uh, episodes, different episodes, different rants and that kind of stuff. So make sure you listen to go those and also give us a nice little uh, a nice little uh, notice. The more uh, notices and more reviews that we get online, the more uh, likely we are to show up for people who are looking for podcasts like this. So make sure you guys are uh, supporting it and also spreading the word. But um, in this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing two halves uh, for this format, college basketball style for the men's side. In the first half, we're going to be talking about um, everything um, with the latest news on the IHSA. We've got a lot of news to break down and get you guys through, so we'll update you on that. And in the second half, we'll be updating you guys on something we talked about a couple weeks ago, the plans for the future of Gates Gym in the east side of the uh, new Trier Winnetka campus. We got more updates and even got to see some renderings with that. So um, we'll keep you guys updated and tell you guys what our initial thoughts are about the initial renderings and uh, make sure you guys want to listen to that. So let's start things off by breaking down what the latest news is with the IHSA and its plan to return. Um, so we're recording this on Wednesday and on Tuesday night, uh, it became uh, apparent to us that um, winter sports, low-risk sports, are going to be able to come back and uh, hopefully start a season. Um, the news is that if you are in Tier 2 or Tier 1, um, you can move back and uh, start practicing um, and kind of get ready for competition. Most schools have said that they'll wait until after um, the upcoming IHSA meeting in a week on January 27th to um, actually start competitions, but um, it's good that they'll be able to start practicing and get back into it, get ready um, for a season as well. Uh, the other news is that all other sports can also start having contact days, uh, start having pra- uh, contact days where uh, they can work out and kind of uh, get back into the gym as well. Boys and girls basketball um, as well can get back into it. They can't really have contact when they are uh, working out, but they can still do drills and um, that sort of stuff. So um, a lot of stuff is coming back, uh, a lot of good news. I know, guys, we've been giving the IHSC a hard time about it, and then it just seemed like this kind of came out of nowhere um, where all of a sudden there was just a news dump and you were having all these meetings and you're having these AD meetings and different tier mitigations. Um, I think I saw that Will and Kane Key County still um, – are in tier three, so they won't be able to uh, compete yet or anything like that. They still can't practice. But uh, for the Nutria and Loyola and the Nutria Township area, 
um, these guys or girls are going to be able to get back to practice and hopefully back to competition within the next couple of weeks. But um, what are your guys' initial thoughts about um, how this all went down and what uh, the initial plan is right now? Yeah, certainly feels like exciting news, Michael, for the, uh, for the local high school sports community. Um, as we talked about a little bit before we started recording, hopefully we'll get some additional clearance at the uh, IHSA's um, next meeting, which is set for next week. That will allow us to maybe put a tentative date for the start of some of these low contact for the start of the season for some of these low contact sports. So hopefully we'll get some, some additional information. And then once we sort of have a date set where we, a tentative date, I should say, where we have um, maybe actual seasons to look forward to, I think then um, maybe we can sort of start to uh, envision these sports fully coming back and get back to covering games and get back to these student athletes competing. So certainly some, some very positive news, um, which was triggered by Governor Pritzker um, shifting the mitigation tiers. Um, so, so certainly some positive news and hopefully uh, for some of these sports that fall into the middle to higher risk categories, we start to get a little bit of better news as well. Um, as we, as we start to get some overall better, as we start to see some overall better trends in regards to um, the way this pandemic is shifting. Yeah. Very exciting um, on a lot of levels. And, and Martin mentioned for us personally, um, getting back to coverage, obviously some of our passions here individually, but also important to our, our organization is, is our um, athletics coverage. So that's just going to be fun to get back to. And I know we're personally excited to getting back to gyms and field houses and um, covering stories we enjoy, but, you know, mostly for these student athletes, you know, this is a lot of sports, these lower risk, and, and we're going to dedicate time later in this pod to football and basketball and some of the more, I guess, prominent ones um, for fans, but there's a lot of student athletes and families invested in, you know, the cheerleading, the dance, the gymnastics, the swimming, especially on the North shore, um, the bowling, and I'm missing one and I'm totally blanking badminton. Badminton. Uh, yeah. Badminton. Lots, lots of families and lots of student athletes who really want to get back out there and they're going to get their chance, hopefully at the beginning of February. So that's really exciting. Um, I'm very happy for them and I'm very happy, you know, Michael, you mentioned that um, it seemed out of the blue and it was out of the blue. Like we described in our story, um, this, a lot of the suburban regions didn't meet the metrics and they weren't trending. Like they were going to meet one certain metric, which was, um, medical bed availability. Um, very tricky thing to understand, but we were just under the 20% mark, but then the state eliminated that metric completely. And that's why these, these regions moved up because everybody was being held back by medical beds. We were good with ICU beds. We were good with positivity rate. We were good with hospitalizations, which were declining. But the one thing holding it back for some reason was um, the medical and surgical bed availability was just under 20%. So the state just said, we're going to do away with that and launch an initiative to provide extra staffing to these hospitals. And that moved all these um, regions into uh, better tiers, whether tier one, tier one or tier two. So uh, I'm very glad they did that. And what I think that does is that kind of opens the possibility of the state moving the goalposts more. I think that gives more hope in the future to maybe basketball and football um, based, you know, reasoned and common sense based changing of the metrics. So I think it can happen. I don't think we're stuck where we are, but I'm really glad that that first domino fell 
Um, and, uh, you know, as long as things don't get worse, obviously we keep talking about how, how COVID guides, guides this whole thing. So as long as we keep those safety measures up and, and trend the right direction, um, I think uh, we're in for maybe some, some action this spring and at least in uh, the lower risk courts. Interesting, interesting opinion piece from Michael O'Brien at the Sun-Times saying how he sort of feels like basketball at this point is uh, almost all but canceled and football is barely hanging on by a thread. I thought that was just premature. Um, and also he, he, the way he tweeted it, and this is kind of the problem that our industry has with the difference between analysis and news is a common reader sees that like it's a news piece. He, he declared it and it was his opinion and it's a very informed opinion, as I've said, but I mean, you just throw that out there. You kind of cause a panic in a lot of people. And I think that's what happened a little bit. And I think it's just too premature to say that, but it's an educated opinion. You take all these context clues and put them together. And that's sure what it looks like is basketball's in trouble unless we change the metrics, which we saw happen Monday. So who's to say it can't happen again. Um, so uh, I do basketball and football do have obstacles ahead of them. There's no doubt though. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing right now is uh like we mentioned in a week, the big thing to come out of this upcoming IHSC meeting is the change of schedules. Cause obviously um, the winter sports are only supposed to compete until February 14, uh, 15th. Um, and obviously that would give teams like 15 days to have a season. So you got to change that up, but let's focus on what you guys are going at here with basketball and uh, football, where um, it, how plausible do you guys think it is? I know Joe, you mentioned the different metrics and changing things up and, um, but how at this point is it plausible to have a season where let's talk about football first, where you are going to be expecting these players to be playing in the spring, essentially. I mean, you let you need a month at least to ramp up for a football season. You got to have training camp. You got to get in football shape. You can be doing all the workouts you want in the winter, but you, there's a difference between being car in good cardio shape and being in good football shape. So you don't start the season until March. Is the IHSA really going to have a season in March and April potentially for two months and then have these kids play in, in about a few more months and start playing in August? I mean, how plausible do you guys think it is about even trying to pull off a football season? How safe is it even to try to even think about putting up a football season at this point where it just seems like it would be risky for a lot of the kids to try to play two football seasons in a span of like nine months. I got to be honest. I, I'm, I'm nervous at this point. Um, I hate to play the, the Debbie Downer kind of role, kind of role, but it almost seems like we're in a race against the clock now. And in addition to racing against the clock, there's so many other factors we have to consider as Joe mentioned, the flight of the pandemic and, metrics from the from the state and, and safety guidelines and, and just so many things to consider and we're already approaching the end of January I, I don't know I'm starting to feel pretty nervous about it yeah definitely nervous uh, for a couple reasons you know one is that the current metrics and the current thresholds we have to hit we have to move up to from from tier two I believe past phase four which is a move from tier one and then to phase four, I know these numbers are terribly confusing. They go down, they go up, whatever. But uh, we have to move a couple levels to even think about football. So for reference, just, for reference, and sorry to interrupt you, Joe, but phase four was something similar to where we were at early summer, early to late summer. Yeah. 
and to get there, you know, the virus is going to have to just, uh, you know, comp- you know, flatten out to, to some of its lowest points to Marty's, po- Marty's point. And, you know, that may happen, but I think it's very unlikely. So I think more likely if we're thinking football, we're going to have to get some movement from the state on what type of sport football is or, or metrics to get to those phases change. And they'll have their reasoning behind it. Like they just said, they moved one, one metric out because they provided extra hospital support. You know, they'll, they'll do something to, uh, you know, help, help with that, um, that move. Um, but I, they have to do that because if they don't, as O'Brien stated, Michael O'Brien with sometimes, and other people have, have stated just by looking at these phases and these tiers, it's almost impossible to move that high in a couple of weeks. Um, so it's going to be impossible without state movement. You know, that being said, Michael, you mentioned they're going to have some, you know, these teams are going to need time to prepare for the season. You know, when I talk to Halsek, um, John Halsek, the Loyal Academy football coach and Brian Dahl, they're going to be ready to go. You know, these kids want to get going. Um, I think they've done a lot in terms of safety measures, of course, but as well as in terms of staying fit and training um, that they might only need a week. I mean, Halsek said a week and they'll be ready. Like practice for a week. We're going to play a game the next Friday. That's intense and quite a turnaround, but they're going to need to do that if they want to play a slate of games and then maybe the playoffs, you know, it's allegedly scheduled from like February, mid February to um, I think May. So if they want to do that, they're going to need to have a quick turnaround. And I think they're prepared to do whatever the heck they have to do to make it happen. Um, I don't think I'm optimistic, but uh, I'm hopeful still. I just think it can happen. I think, I think if we just open our minds a little bit and think outside the box, these things can happen inside the vacuum. No, it's going to be impossible. But if we open that up to new possibilities and changing some things, I think it will. And basketball though, I'm sorry. No, I'm rambling. Cause now thinking about basketball, it's, you got to shift it to the, to it's that a tougher road because of the indoor, the indoor aspect and how that's been treated through this whole pandemic, rightfully so. Um, you either have to move things, change the move, the goalposts a big way in a big way, or move it. Like you say, Martin, probably after football. I think that's interesting because I personally probably moving on to basketball, I probably would say that basketball would be the easier thing to pull off at this point. I mean, just based on obviously a basketball season normally starts in like, um, November and obviously basketball doesn't need the kind of recovery time that football might need but I I, I feel like you could probably see a way where if things obviously like we keep on saying the trends are what really matters here but things trend in the right way and people are getting vaccinated and um, positivity rates get low where you can maybe maybe have a season starting in April you can maybe have a season starting mid-April or like even late March and you can have two or three months of that where I think football is just like you have, I don't know. I obviously understand the outdoors and obviously the outdoors is much easier to mitigate and much easier to look at as opposed to being inside a gym and that kind of stuff. But I think we've seen through um, the NCAA and the NBA, and obviously they have testing protocols. Obviously they're taking, they have every single day testing and they can look at that kind of stuff. But I think we've seen where if you're taking the right precautions, you can pull off a season and, there's obviously less 
there's obviously less people that get infected and that kind of stuff. If you keep gyms at a bare minimum where you have coaches, referees, and like scores table and just shoot a live feed or that kind of stuff, you basically have around maybe 20 or 25 people inside a gym where you can have them spaced out as as opposed to having like, you have 11 on 11 playing football, linemen on top of each other and that kind of stuff. And even if it is outdoors, you're still in close contact. But um, so that's where I think it is where I think you have, yes, it's better for football because obviously you're outdoors and obviously that's, it's easier, but I think basketball is a much easier way to pull it off and probably safer to pull off because they'll have time to more recover. And obviously AAU is a thing in the summer, but so if I, if, if you guys had to choose right now, one or the other, which one do you think has a better chance of actually being pulled off football or basketball? I'd probably lean football on that question. Um, I know I had just earlier stated that I was kind of feeling nervous about it, but in comparison of the two, I'd probably lean that football is a little more likely at this point, um, just for a variety of factors, including, including the indoors, as, as we've talked about, and, and time as well. I got to lean with Marty here just because of all the variables in play. You take them and you kind of mash them up, and some things even out like, okay, football's indoor or outdoor basketball's indoor football has more close contact you can those kind of even out but bass but football's got um a larger community a larger fan base and means more to the ihsa budget um and i know they we don't want to talk about that um publicly or they don't but that that's got to factor into the decision a little bit they and they've got to be getting more pressure from um the football community than the basketball i'm sure they're getting both though they're getting from always but um, i'm just saying i i think if i had to put money on, which I would never do for youth athletics. Um, I would, uh, I would say football is more likely to go. Um, but I think mm, I, I want them both to go. I'm just so hopeful that we have smart people in these positions for a reason and they'll figure it out without a COVID surge. This is all assuming there won't be a surge in COVID that will figure it out and they'll all get at least a semblance of a season. I really hope so. How do you guys feel like this will affect, I mean, obviously we're talking about both football and basketball and most football players and basketball players usually are playing baseball or they're playing lacrosse or they're playing that kind of sport. So how, how do you guys figure this is going to affect those different sports where, um, I mean, is this going to affect football numbers or basketball numbers? Because obviously some players play football and basketball, but they're more of a baseball player. They're more of a lacrosse player. Like, Obviously, every person has their sport that they're best at. But how do you feel like just trying to cram in all these different sports at the same time? I mean, how is it going to affect teams and how is that going to really affect um, how effectively this is all just going to work out based on number wise, whether teams are going to have the right numbers to have teams this upcoming, I guess, rest of winter, upcoming fall, uh, spring? Yeah, those are going to be some of the logistical challenges that um schools will sort of have to map out on on an individual basis. I mean, just think of a scenario of something along the lines where uh, an athlete playing baseball and football, you know, if you have a game Friday night and then you've got a, if you have a football football game Friday night and then you've got a doubleheader baseball game the next uh, Saturday morning, that's a, that's a situation that's that might be difficult to manage, but I'm sure, you know, these are the discussions that are being had. These are what athletic directors and coaches are talking about and have, probably spent weeks and months talking about. So I'm sure there are some tentative plans in place. And of course that all can change or be altered as we, as we move forward and get more guidance. So 
hopefully, as Joe sort of mentioned earlier, you just have to trust the people in leadership positions um, in regards to a lot of this, because right now that's that's about all we can do. Yeah, I think this this six month stretch right here is just going to have to take a lot of understanding and cooperation from everybody. And maybe it's not going to be reflected in every media story, but in the school level and at the IHSA level, everybody needs to know that, like Marty said, you got a game on Friday, you got a doublehead or even practice. You know, you're going to have practice in the morning after a football game and also a football practice later that day. And the coaches are going to have to talk and the ADs are going to have to talk and it's going to have to be um, much different than it's previously been. And you're going to have to, something's got to give and everybody has to understand and know that there can't be, any invite infighting, any territory pounding of the chest. There just has to be a complete understanding between everybody that you got to give a little here and there. You know, we think about Nutrier, you know, the, the offensive coordinator for the football team is the baseball head coach and Mike Napoleon. So he, he's got a game plan for maybe three games a week. And then also for a football game on Friday night, maybe in the playoffs um, if we're talking about May or April. So it's going to be difficult to do, but you're going to, this is obviously an unprecedented year and you're going to do what you have to, to get these kids on the field. And I trust that all the coaches and, and players feel that way. It's going to be difficult um, to figure out, but I think that understanding is also going to have to go to COVID at least from the outside community. I think maybe inside schools and ADs see it, but there's going to be games canceled. There's going to be practice canceled. Somebody's going to get COVID. And I know there's a lot of reports out there that COVID isn't spreading on the field and on the court. And that's great. It's spreading though outside when people, you know, go home or whatever they do. And then, you know, one person gets the next person gets it and then you have to cancel games. So those protocols are in place and I'm sure the IHSO will have guidelines to when you have to quarantine somebody. And when that happens, you're going to have to cancel games um, and maybe, you know, a week of practice. And it's going to be very difficult to put your best product. I say that like it's an NFL franchise, your best team on the field every time. And you're going to have to be okay with that just to get the kids on the field. Everybody's got to understand that to make this even a possibility. Yeah, it's definitely going to be really interesting to just watch the next few weeks and months what the logistics are of trying to pull all this off. Um, so like I mentioned, the IHSA will have a board meeting, and I think we'll get a lot of clarity of what schedules will look like, what seasons will look like now, heading down the final stretch. So um, We'll keep you guys updated on all that front once we get uh, the news on there. So let's move on over now to the second half of the podcast, but let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure to check them out. Move better, live better. All right, so like we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to talk about uh, a potential change to the east side of the new Trier Winnetka campus. Um, a few podcast episodes ago, we talked about the first time we started hearing that Gates Gym might be torn down and replaced uh, um, with something new, a new facility. Um, and then Marty, uh, you, I know that you reported uh, last week um, about uh, district officials and representatives getting uh, preliminary design renderings and uh, cost projections for that. Um, I'll let you get into the nitty gritty and talk about what they talked about and what, how the plan looks like right now. But, um, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, uh, earlier before the podcast started, but based on the initial, uh, renderings, my, uh, concerns from past, uh, episode of the podcast were real. And, uh, this, uh, 
this gym doesn't look too special or anything special about it. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. It looks very nice. It looks very state of the art, brand new. Yeah, cool. But like, it doesn't <laughs> show like any character. But Marty, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you get into it and tell the audience about what what we know right now, what the plan is, and uh, what's next for this whole uh, this whole uh, potential change. Yeah. So right now we're slated for uh, for a vote from the board of education in February. So. As of right now, nothing official yet, but all signs, all signals point towards the board voting in favor of a plan that is going to knock down gates and is going to create a brand new three-story athletics and kinetic wellness facility. And as you alluded to, Michael, the board sort of got the first uh, glimpse of some renderings and some specific details of what each level of that uh, potential space would look like if they decide to move forward with that plan. So We've got those, uh, those beautiful renderings up on our website for listeners who want to check them out. But uh, at, at the last board meeting on January 11th, they sort of got a, a detailed explanation from the architects and the designers of what each space is going to look like. And the highlight of that presentation was the second floor or the main floor, which is going to be the, the competition and the main gym space, space which is the, uh, the lead design rendering in the uh, in our article that you mentioned and uh, some pretty neat features to that um, an led jumbotron uh, retractable bleachers um, uh, some some new auxiliary auxiliary gyms off to the side that will replace some of the outdated um, gyms that the current gates facility has uh, a weight training area a cardio area you know all that that those state-of-the-art updates and on the on the lower level the the sort of first floor there's going to there plans right now call for um, a, a state-of-the-art six door six lane I should say indoor track um, some turf area and then the third floor is looking like it's going to be the space where there's going to be some academic suites some some space for new classrooms new learning opportunities which um, in the Gates facility in the current Gates facility there are some some areas for where classrooms are and, and learning opportunities but as we've talked about before officials feel that those spaces are uh are really outdated and not uh, not best serving the students. So that third floor will sort of be a new uh, a new academic area with some other um, cardio areas and and mixed in elements of the facilities. But uh, it's it's looking like the the future of of Kate's gym is is pretty certain. Although as I mentioned, no vote yet. But uh, it, all all signals point towards the board voting towards. Uh, constructing a new new facility it uh, seems like that is the option that, that that they're really leaning towards right now yeah it does seem like that's inevitable thanks to your all your reporting on this it was a very good breakdown <clears throat> uh, that you put together um, about with around the most most recent renderings um, so I urge everybody to check out that story um, but uh, I'm kind of with Michael in that I don't see much character in the renderings now I don't know I feel like that might be too unfair to criticize so far. We're still so far away from an, from a finalized plan uh, and blueprint of the facility. Um, I thought that the, the track and the weight area and that layout looked great. Um, obviously a much improvement over the dungeon that's currently there, but um, yeah, the main gym is what just kind of concerned me. It looks like a, like a, a park district field house where it's just, you know, you can't add too much character because there's going to be so many different teams using it. Like, I wish we could see a little bit more um, of Nutrier's history in it, and I hope they are able to do that. 
um, as we move forward. I think they can come up with some creative ideas. I think there's enough um, people in the community as well as people, elected officials and admin who, who want to see some of that history preserved. So I really hope they are able to add those elements in what, whichever way they do it. Um, I'm okay with just make it, uh, just make it feel like, uh, give it that historical element that kind of makes those gyms a pleasure to be in and, and that character and a pleasure to visit as well, but also yours, you know, it's your home court, it's your home um, facility. So I hope they're able to do that as we move forward. But, you know, from everything we're hearing about people inside, you know, we, we didn't go to school there. We didn't use the facilities and we don't use them now. This is, this is pretty needed, pretty necessary. Not only are they ugly from just a visitor's perspective in certain areas, but not very functional. And that's, that's a concern for what is supposed to be, um, what do they like to call it? A lighthouse district, something. A beacon. Uh, a beacon um, <laughs> in the community, but for the state, for the nation, high school. So one of the best. Yeah, and I, in the I think to, to, to just circle back to one thing you mentioned, Joe, some of the areas where they're trying to bring in some of that history and familiarity of the old facility is sort of the exterior. Um, towards the end of that article, we've got a rendering in with uh, what the proposed exterior is going to look like. And, and they said at the board meeting that their goal is to try to almost match exactly what obviously to the uh, to the greatest extent possible what the current sort of exterior and the aesthetics of the current gates gym look like so there's sort of a side by side of what the rendering um, for the new potential facility looks like as compared to the current gates facility so it also sort of matches the um, the aesthetics and the exterior that they have for their most recent addition which was um, for the main part of the campus where they added the, the new atrium and the new academic suite of learning classroom. So they're really trying to, uh, to create something that that's sort of a, a blended altogether experience um, that, that sort of meshes the design of the overall building with uh, sort of a more cohesive look, but yeah, the uh, Michael sort of alluded to it before we, we started recording kind of looks like a, like a collegiate facility, almost a gym which uh, takes away a little bit of charm of that high school element that we uh, have, uh, have discussed before. Yeah, I, I think all of it, I think all of like the track and the gym and that kind of stuff and the side gyms, everything, that looks great. I mean, that looks like a great facility, obviously a great opportunity to, um, that'll not only just benefit the basketball team or even the teams that actually use the gym, but like the track team or, cross country team and all that kind of stuff like it'll be a good um area for everyone to kind of come together at the weight room work together obviously give a lot of uh resources and that and um like Jill mentioned obviously this could just be a preliminary and they'll change things up add more character but just with the I mean I'm just looking at it right now I mean it's just like you get like the Nutri logo at the top you got a big jumbotron which that's cool but other than that, it just seems like so plain and like so ordinary. And I don't know, obviously this isn't the final design and this isn't, and even with the final design, the final design doesn't always look exactly like what the real product will look like. I mean, Marty, you mentioned that they kind of do like a, like a kind of like a domish kind of look to kind of, um, kind of look like what Gates Gym looked right, like right now. But I just think I agree with Joe where you just need more character for this thing. And, uh, you just need to make this feel like a high school gym where um, if you have a big game against Loyal or if you have a big game against Evanston, you want to have that home court advantage. And um, sometimes with big gyms, it's hard to have that home court advantage where um, things get lost and sounds get lost. But um, 
I do think uh, it, the whole project seems really cool and really great for the whole athletics department, not just for the basketball teams, but um, I would say that they probably need to add more, more of a characteristic, just more of a thing to make it home and more of it to feel like a high school atmosphere instead of just it being like, well, this is just where we play basketball. Um, like Joe mentioned, like a park district field where it's like, eh, it's, it's, it's a nice gym, but it doesn't really have much character with it. But um, so Marty, you mentioned that the board will vote on this in February. What do, what are their time? Do they have a timeline on what they expect if this was to be approved, how long it will take to construct when construction would begin and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So they're, if, if they approve it at the February meeting, they're targeting construction start um, at the end of this year. So December of 21, and the targeted completion date is August of 2023, so that it's ready for the 23-24 school year. Um, and Athletic Director Augie Fontanetta um, told the board that right now they don't anticipate losing any um, home games during the construction time. The plan is to sort of shift everything to the Northfield campus. Fortunately, for, uh, for a district that has the facilities capacity of Nutria, they're able to shift a lot of the competition to their second campus, the Northfield campus, um, and sort of maintain a, a home environment still for all their teams in that two-year stretch where this will be under construction. A lot of times with these, um, with these projects, you'll see where, where schools will lose their entire um, home schedule for a couple of seasons because of construction. So they'll still be um they'll still be athletics home athletics games in the area it'll be really interesting to see uh what happens there so we'll keep you guys updated on uh everything and how the board votes on that uh, and as always we'll keep you guys updated on all the news that's happening here with the ihsa with the new gyms and other things happening in the community so before we say goodbye just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts Apple uh, Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, what have you. Uh, we're all there. Make sure you listen to past episodes of the podcast as well. And make sure you subscribe. That really helps us and spread the word as well. So for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.